name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you agree with the old saying, you're never too old to learn? It's been true for me. My late wife got her PhD in theology and her Medicare card the same month. That was in uh, May of the year she turned in, she turned 65. Uh, I was so proud of her to keep doing that. She was a continuous learner right up to uh, the end of her life. I too have been a lifelong learner. I have two degrees and a lot of professional development. In my 29 years in the Army, in my 20 years as a corporate executive, I was always going to school learning something. My theology formation came about through my four years in the Education for Ministry program, known as EFM, you may have heard of it, uh, that's offered through the School of Theology at the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee. By the way, if you can't tell from my accent, I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> but the biggest uh, lesson that I've had to learn came to me in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at noon on January 26, 2018. On a beautiful Friday afternoon, my wife Jan and I were on our way to eat lunch at our local Greek Orthodox church that served lunch there every Friday. Something we often did. I had taken a different route that morning to shave a few minutes off of our trip. A mile from our house on a residential road, a 17-year-old Afghan refugee driving a sports car doing 80 miles an hour hit the passenger side of my car. We went spinning across two lanes of oncoming traffic, miraculously missing all cars. We hit a curb head-on at 40 miles an hour and then slammed into a stone wall. Every airbag deployed. The car was demolished. My wife lay in a passenger seat, broken from head to toe. I was injured too, but miraculously not so badly. She spent seven hours in surgery that day, being worked on by a team of orthopedic trauma specialists. She then spent 17 days in the hospital, two weeks in inpatient rehab, and then came home to be cared for by me for the rest of the year. She was unable to bear weight on either leg for four months. It was an ordeal for both of us. When she was able to bear weight again, she began outpatient rehab for the next eight months and made excellent progress. A month after her outpatient rehab ended, she suffered the first of three hemorrhagic strokes over the next five months. The traumatic head injury she had sustained a year before in our wreck and the blood thinners she had been put on played a part in her hemorrhagic strokes. The second and third strokes, which were 17 days apart, made her an invalid unable to communicate or to reason or to perform any activities of daily living. Again, she came home to be cared for, but this time with around-the-clock caregiver support to assist me. I rarely left her side for the next 26 months. 
She had her fourth stroke at home on August the 25th of 2021. She went into a coma immediately, was rushed to the hospital again, where she died five hours later peacefully. I was holding her hand when she took her last breath. If the past three years were not enough, I was now plunged into a period of intensely mourning her loss. It had been a valiant fight. I never lost faith that she might miraculously recover somewhat. I wrote about this spiritual journey of mine in my book, Moving Mountains. <laughs> Facing strokes with faith and hope, and that's what I was doing for 26 months. There's a difference between mourning and grieving. Let me say that again. There's a difference between mourning and grieving. Mourning her loss was devastating. We've been married for almost 52 years. We met in college. She followed me around the world as an army wife, the mother of our two great sons. We lived in the same house in St. Louis for 39 years. I'm still living there, and her physical absence from our house is palpable. I mourned her loss for four months and then determined that I must get on with my life. But I've been grieving her ever since. It has been said, grief is love with no place to go. Grief is love with no place to go. But in this case, my love did have a place to go. While she was still living, I had said my morning prayers, which as Dominicans, we do each day. At the end of one of those prayers are the words, direct me to the fulfilling of your purpose. I had an epiphany one morning, and I asked God to tell me what his purpose was for me. In all my years as a Dominican friar, I had never thought that one through. When I commune with the Holy Spirit, it is always a two-way conversation. It has been that way my entire life. I got my answers quickly that day, and there were more answers than one. He said to me, among other things, give your testimony. And he also said, minister to men who are caregivers and widows. I was also told to continue to preach, teach, and to write. My morning concluded right after Christmas, four months after losing her. In January 2022, I launched my ministry. Within a month, I was a volunteer at St. Luke's Hospice, which is the largest hospice in St. Louis, initially ministering to men who are caregivers and widowers. And I then expanded my ministry to dying veterans who are hospice patients. And for the past year, I've been facilitating grief support groups for both men and women. Our fourth support group this year begins next month just in time for the holidays, which is a terrible time for grieving. I also write a bi-weekly column for the Widowers Support Network website. This network is made up of 2,200 widowers from 28 countries. 
I reach many men who are in my situation through that website. I've been grievingly, grieving continuously since losing her. One does not push through grief or ever get over it. We just learn to incorporate grief into our daily lives. With God's help, we should focus our grief on how we can help others. Not only do we show love for our neighbors in doing so, but as has certainly been the case with me, it is also very therapeutic. I attribute my personal healing to my ministry of healing others in the midst of their grief. God has kept me quite busy doing this, and I will continue to serve in this capacity for the remainder of my life. I know my wife is looking down on me with satisfaction as I go about doing what I do. Her death was not in vain. Not only did she leave a tremendous legacy in her own life of service to others, she continues to live through me. She was my partner in life. She remains my partner in death. She's my soulmate. Throughout our journey, I saw the Holy Spirit working in many ways. There were lots of miracles along the way. I mentioned that my wife's strokes stole her ability to communicate in any way. One day, I was out walking in my neighborhood, sad and distressed. As I approached my house, I prayed desperately for a sign, any sign. I just needed to know that God was indeed still with us throughout our ordeal. I walked into our house, and Jan was sitting in the den in her wheelchair with her devoted attendant, Ophelia Wilson, by her side. Jan saw me walk into the kitchen. She gave me a big smile, which was the first one I had seen in over two years. She reached out her arms to me and said, Oh, you're home. I quickly went to her and held her in my arms as she patted my back. She then looked up at my face, still smiling, and said, I love you so much. And then she said, I'm happy. She never spoke to me again. That was my miracle, and I so needed to receive it. It kept me going. Still does. But she speaks to my heart every day as I go about living with my grief. She had told me on three occasions throughout our long marriage that I am a healer, and that I needed to be doing that in some way. She wasn't supposed to live more than three or four months after I brought her home from the hospital. But she lived for 26 months. Her living presence in my life was to prepare me for the service I now provide. When her purpose of preparing me for that healing ministry was completed, God took her home. On her deathbed, even though she was in a coma, I told her how much I loved her, how grateful I was for our 52 years together, and I, I would spend the rest of my life doing what she had told me to do, healing others. As our psalm for today tells us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. I've been comforted by this verse and remain so to this day. When I cross through that veil at the end of my life, I expect her to meet me on the other side. 
She will reach out her arms to me and say, Oh, you're home. I love you so much. And I'm so happy that we're together again. Grieving is a part of life. We will all go through it. All of us. When that dark cloud overtakes you, after your period of mourning, enter into, uh, into the forever grieving stage with purpose. Find ways to help others. You will be healing yourself along the way. It helps brothers and sisters believe you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.